Hello and welcome to the TBG Real Estate Podcast, where we connect you with some of the most innovative and exciting real estate leaders today. We will show you that there are numerous paths to a successful career in the real estate industry, and that some of your greatest missteps can be turned into your greatest triumphs. Without further ado, here's the head of TBG Real Estate, Chris Papa. All right, folks, welcome to this episode of the TBG Real Estate Podcast. My name is Chris Papa, and today I am with my awesome, wonderful, lovely co-host, Mickey Penzer. How are you, Mickey? Hi, Chris. I'm doing well. How are you? How is it? I'm in, I'm in San Mateo, California. Mickey's in Manhattan. How is it in Manhattan today? It Awful. is a little bit gross, not going to lie, but it's a good day because we're recording one of our podcasts, and Genghis Cohen is in Long Island, so he won't be joining us this call, but he's, oh, he hates missing podcasts. He's out taking care of business on the island. I love it. Yeah. Um, so today, we have a great guest, Mr. Andy Weiss. Andy is a mortgage broker at within at Dansker Capital Group that's uh, part of Marcus and Millichap. How you doing, Andy? Are you in New York as well? Yeah, Chris. Uh, I'm, I'm in New York despite the weather. Uh, Stan Sheary doing well. Uh, thanks for having me, and, and thanks, Mickey, for, for inviting me on. Uh, really, really appreciate it, and uh, really looking forward to it. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah, I'm over in San Mateo. It's actually kind of it's been raining for like weeks here, which is surprising. I, I moved to California to to avoid the rain, but, uh, it's been raining and, but it's actually stopped raining and it's like kind of sweater weather, but I'm complaining. And I forget, I grew up in New Jersey and I forget like how awful the winters can be in the Northeast. So I'm, uh, I'll be there next week. And so hopefully it'll be nicer, but I doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, the Listen, you always need a reminder of, uh, of, of the misery. So. <laughs> I know, but that, that makes it that the first day of spring so much better. This is true. Um, this is true. So, Andy, thanks so much. Uh, so, how did you and uh, and Mickey meet? You guys were singing each uh, other's phrases beforehand. Um, Love to. I assume it's at a conference because Mickey's always at a conference. Um, Mickey is definitely always at a conference or an event. Uh, but uh, we we actually met. I want to say it's got to be five years ago, coming up on five years, um, uh, an organization that we're both very involved in, uh, APAC, the American Israel Public Affairs Committee. Uh, they put on like a, a small Friday night uh, Sabbath uh, cocktail thing um, with, the, with a synagogue on the Upper East Side, at, and they, they actually did it at a bar. So it was very casual. Uh, we met, and I, I, I actually convinced Mickey um, to, to come to uh, APAC's national conference in Washington, D.C. That March, they do it every year. It's 18,000 people or so. It's, uh, it's a pretty remarkable conference. And uh, she came, and, you know, we kind of hit it off. We've, you know, a few, a few years since, we've, we've actually planned like, follow-up events to that conference together. Uh, we're, we're constantly, you know, going back and forth, uh, seeing each other at all these different events. And, uh, you know, I didn't work in real estate until a couple years ago, but, and when I made the move, oh, okay. Mickey was someone that I, Mickey Mickey was someone that I uh, I, I spoke with in, in great detail and, and gave me a lot of advice and, and pointers and mentorship and helped connect me with a lot of great people and uh, and when she when she told me she was going to be a recruiter I was like 
this is perfect. You know, Mickey's, <laughs> Mickey's, uh, Mickey's the woman to do it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been fortunate. You definitely, get, you definitely get the credit for getting me to join APAC. Um, you wrote me in. Yeah. So, and that, that's probably led to a lot of other people. So, you know, I'm, I, that's, a, that's a nice line of credit right there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's interesting too. So, uh, tell, can you tell us a little bit about, so Dansker Capital Group is a group within Marcus and Milchap. Marcus and Milchap has like a thousand different companies, uh, subsidiaries. Um, can you tell us a little about what you're doing today? As in yeah, job, sure. So Dansker Capital? Yeah, of course. Of course, of course. So, yeah, so so I guess, you know, the, you touched on it. Marcus and Milchap is, uh, is the largest brokerage house nationally. Um, you know, their, their sales brokerage uh, was started first, and so they're – I'd say predominantly known as a sales broker shop nationally. Uh, they broker a lot of multifamily and triple net properties. Uh, they're the largest broker by volume in the country. Uh, they close, I saw in a promotional video earlier this year, they close about uh, one transaction every 12 minutes per business day, just to give some context on, on kind wow. of the Marcus platform. Um, so, you know, thousands of brokers across the country, uh, their capital business. Uh, is, is, has been growing as well, uh, but in New York, um, you know, there's about 12 or so of us who broker mortgages in our office, and there's about called 180 sales brokers. Um, so, you know, swimming in a sea of sales brokers here, but uh, you know, people <laughs> people don't really know what mortgage brokers are. You know, they think of brokers, they're like, oh yeah, you you know, you you help people. Uh, buy apartments, right? I'm like, well, no, I work in commercial. So it's like, oh, you help, you help sell buildings. And I'm like, well, actually, no, I, I help finance buildings. Um, and no, I don't lend. I, uh, I connect people to lenders. I'm, I'm an intermediary. So I'm a broker between a borrower and a lender. Um, and you know, we, we, we play and we, I, I'm on a team of, uh, six people. Uh, Andrew Dansker runs our group. Uh, his family, is uh, it's fourth generation New York real estate, uh, and his father used to uh, operate a savings bank, and so you know that's kind of the space that we we play a lot in. Um, you know, we, we do a lot of balance sheet uh, loans with local and regional savings bank in the in the Northeast. Uh, a lot of business in Florida lately. Uh, we do a, a, a good amount of volume of business nationally in the triple net space, being on, on, on the Marcus platform. Um, but, uh, but, you know, we touch a wide variety of things, uh, and, and, and geographies. So, um, so tell me, like, yeah. how does that work? Yeah. I mean, uh, this is for like, pretend like you're a kid coming out of school. It doesn't know really anything about real estate. Like what, where do you fit into the whole transaction line of real estate? Sure. Sure. So, so I think that the, the clear, the clear fit in terms of you know what you'd think about in the traditional transaction is if someone goes to buy a building and, and they're, they need to secure financing on their building. Um, and commercial real estate financing is, is different than residential uh, in the way that it's underwritten and it's an asset-specific underwriting, um, which we, we could touch on more later, but I don't want to get too technical if we're, we're talking to a 22-year-old that doesn't know anything. Um, yeah. So basically, you know, someone's going to buy a property and they want to make sure they're going to line up the appropriate financing. Um, there, there are multiple considerations around financing, and everyone has different preferences, just as they do with any decision in life. And some people may say, I'm price conscious. Some people may say, I'm proceeds conscious.
subconscious, meaning the amount of dollars that I need to secure in order to execute on the transaction or would like to secure for the transaction. Um, but uh, I'd say in particular with, uh, with a purchase, I think the biggest, uh, the biggest thing in my mind is, is really trust. Um, and that's where I think a broker plays an integral part in the process because, you know, especially if you're a smaller operator and you're not doing a lot of loans and you don't have a lot of relationships with, with a, a large pool of lenders, uh, you know, it's hard to, to trust that that person is going to deliver. And you know, when you're signing a contract to close in 60 days on a multi-million dollar transaction, you better be sure that that lender is going to show up on closing day and with the terms that he promised you uh, and, and, and put that money in your bank account. So I think trust is something that a lot of people don't really think about off the bat. They're like, well, why would I need a mortgage broker? Um, I think I think trust is, is in my mind, uh, one of the most critical elements of my job. Um, but, but again, you know, everyone has a different preference and some people are going to say, you know what, I, I just want a low cost provider, but um, we, we get engaged ultimately when someone's going to buy a building, but uh, even more so than that, you know, people don't really realize it, but if you're not in the real estate world, you don't think to yourself uh, that refinancing is actually the largest part of a mortgage broker's business in general. Um, you know, uh, most properties in New York city, let's say, uh, you talk about you know, these small brownstones that you walk by. Most of them have small loans on them, million, two million, five million dollars uh, from local savings banks, and, and they're they're five year terms. Uh, so every five years or seven years, in some cases, you could find other longer terms as well. But but those tend to be the most common. Um, you know, every five to seven years, those loans are coming up for refinancing. And so you, you know, if you're happy with your current lender and they're going to give you a great deal. That's great. But a lot of times banks change their programs. Um, banks get acquired, go out of business. Uh, you, you never know. Uh, your relationship left the bank, whatever it is, and all of a sudden you're going to go to a new bank and lender for, uh, for, your, for your new loan. So we do, we do a lot of that business. Um, and So you're connecting, that, you're connecting the, the, the buyer or the, the current owner with the banks? Like you're out shopping for better rates? Uh, correct. Yeah. And, and again, like I said, sometimes it's rate, sometimes it's, it's the, the loan amount that they want. Um, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's recourse, whether it's a personal guarantee or not, um, you know, in regards to certain loans. Uh, but it, it really depends on, on the, on the borrower, you know, and then I'd, I'd say for me, actually, uh, starting out as a broker and one of the biggest pieces of advice that I give is that it, people tend to jump to conclusions about what other people want uh, and what they need. And really you, you never know. And I'm sure you encounter this in your job. And, and I think any, any salesman really encounters this um, learning to listen and ask the right questions and learning to understand what someone actually wants, what they want and not what you think they want um, is, is key critical to success. Well, how do you do that? I mean, how do you say developing trust? Like what, how do you develop trusting clients? Uh, well, so I, I think there That's are a, a few question. different, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I think, I think there are a few different elements of, of trust. Um, I would say that there's the trust, you know, I, there's the trust element of like, do I think this guy is, is telling the truth, right? Like, is he going to do right by me? That's one element. And then I also think trust of expertise. It is 
another element. Um, and so I guess, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, just, just, just broad trust. Um, I think that it, it, it comes about in, in a variety of ways. Um, and I'm sure, you know, Mickey, Mickey could attest this as well. I think, you know, we're, we're very involved in, you know, different communities. And I think when you're, when you're doing business within a community and you, you have such interconnectivity with the people around you, you start to develop a higher level of trust. Um, mm. Just, just kind of naturally, you know, like you, you, you see the person often, you know, their friends, they know your friends, you, you have a, a, a very mutually um, crossed over social circle. And, and I think that that helps, uh, helps give a, a certain level of comfort and trust within, within uh, an interpersonal dynamic. Um, mm. But I think sometimes some people just some people come off as more trustworthy sometimes um, w- whether or not they're trying to or not, you know, like sometimes you just get a feeling about someone. I think, I think there's, there's a certain element to that. Um, but I think ultimately my, my view is if you go out and you do right by people day in and day out, you know, people call it karma, but I, I really think just the way social networks work is that, you know, information reverberates. And so, like I said, you know, you know, person X, who knows person Y, who knows person Z, and all of a sudden you did something great for person X, and then they're going to their friend and they're saying, oh, yeah, you know, Andy did this for me. It was really great. He was, he was on, on time with things. He was very responsive, followed up. And all of a sudden that, there's that feedback loop. Um, and I think for, for, for me in particular, and then Mickey as well, within our communities, I think that that really, um, that really plays a huge role. Um, I'd say, I'd say that element as well as, uh, I think brand awareness, that, that's, that's something that I've, I've grown to understand a lot more in my role. Uh, and you know, you're, you're doing this podcast, which I think is, is amazing. And you know, you get your, you get your name out there and you know, people, people see you and all of a sudden, if even if they didn't know you before, but they see you, you're, they see your logo, they see your brand once, twice, and then, then they have an interaction with you. All of a sudden, there's just like a certain predisposition, I think, towards trusting you in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, why, did, why does Coca-Cola spend billions of dollars on marketing over the years? It's because they need to touch every new person who's all of a sudden looking at a smartphone these days, right? Or looking at TV or listening to the news. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I think mean, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Mick. Sorry. I think especially in real estate, reputation matters a lot. Not that it doesn't matter in every industry, but you own these buildings. Like these are real physical assets that you own for a long period of time with the same people. Um, if you have a shitty lender, if you have a a terrible business partner, it will like literally wreck your life, and you won't be able to sleep at night. Whereas like. Other, you know, equities, you can get out of it pretty quickly because it's, it's very liquid. Real estate's very yeah. liquid. So you really do have to have a very high level of integrity and trust in our business. And if you are not doing well by people, you know, you might get one job, one loan out of them or one job out of them, but they're never going to come back and they're not going to tell your friends, um, tell their friends to come to you. And for me, it's always been more important 
that I did well by somebody, whether or not I, you know, filled the job or not, that they, they feel that they were taken care of. Yeah. That's one of the reasons yeah. I like and, real and, estate to recruit as a, as an industry to recruiting. Cause it is like when I first got into, I had an interest in real estate, but like you could recruit for any industry, like and financial services, you're like one of a gazillion people. And it's like a never, there's no end to that financial services industry. It just keeps going and going. Real estate is a pretty contained society. Um, so yeah, word gets around pretty fast. Yeah. And, and I mean, I made the switch from financial services. So I can definitely attest to that. Um, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, I think, I think learning to be upfront with people and in, in your interactions and, you know, that, that to me is how you build trust. You know, if you can't do something, you say to someone, Hey, I can't do this. I would love to work with you in the future, but you know, this is not something I can help you with. Um, and, and people appreciate that and respect that. And, you know, I, I, this is, this kind of leads into what I was saying about trust from an expertise side. You know, I, I think it's, it's extremely important to work with a great mentor. Uh, and I, and I have a phenomenal mentor and, and uh, Andrew Dansker, as I mentioned, and that's something that, uh, that he always reinforces in me. Um, and, you know, working with someone who can teach you those soft skills, uh, is, is hugely important, but, but importantly, who has a track record and knows what they're doing and can advise you through difficult situations on, on the technical side as well. Um, in a business like mine, I think is extremely important because, uh, like I said before, you know, someone's trusting you with a multi-million dollar transaction. So not only do they have to say, and he's a nice guy, I trust him. Um, they have to say, and he can execute on my transaction because I don't want to be at the closing table. And, uh, and get retraded. Yeah. So speaking of which, let's start from the beginning here. So you um, you had a career prior to real estate. Where where did you? Let's talk about where you grew up and like your background. Did you? Are you from the New York area? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I, I am from the New York area. Um, funny enough, I uh, I live now a few blocks south of where I was born in Lancaster Hospital, uh, but <laughs> I grew up in in Riverdale and then uh, then Irvington, New York, uh, which is a uh, Nice little town on the river, very small town south of uh, just south of Tarrytown. So grew up there. Uh, went to went to school in Boston, the Northeastern. Great, mm-hmm. great, phenomenal school. Great environment, um, and really uh, started to come into my own there. I think. And uh, post Northeastern, I, I took uh, a job at my last internship at, at PwC, formerly known as Price Waterhouse Coopers, but you know. The, the age of, uh, of acronyms today. You studied accounting. I mean, where did that, did your, I mean, that's like, seems to be the opposite end of the spectrum from like what you're doing now in a lot of ways. Uh, is, was that like, uh, did your risk tolerance change or something? What, what, what was the, uh, why, did you, why did you first, stu- did you love accounting numbers? Why did you get into accounting? Uh, that's, that's funny. Um, so I, I definitely do think I'm a fairly risk averse person still. Um, I know that's kind of surprising taking a job that doesn't really pay you anything until you make money. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I, I kind of had this notion in my head, uh, of studying accounting as the language of business. Uh, my, my yeah. family, uh, my, my grandfather started a, a small, um, manufacturing business back in the sixties. He made at that time, it was crowns and veils and hats for, for weddings. And my dad took that over, started making dresses, 
uh, and my parents, they still run it. It's a small business, but so I, I grew up around uh, business and somewhat of an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, and when I went to, when I was going to college, I was like, you know, learning to, to almost learning the language of business is, is kind of how I thought about it. Um, and, and that's really with minimal guidance. Um, I, my mom has an associate from FIT and my dad is probably one of the most brilliant men I know, very high IQ guy, but for, for his own reasons, uh, didn't end up finishing school and neither of them were in the corporate world. And so I didn't really have, you know, a good, good, I guess, guiding star, call it, um, within that space. And I kind of just fell into what I did by, by chance. And I'm very happy that it worked out that way. Uh, I started in a pretty interesting group at PwC. We, we focused on uh, broadly valuation and transaction diligence for structured uh, structured securities, structured debt securities. Uh, so my my area of focus and expertise, if you will, was on uh, residential mortgage-backed securities. So a lot of work with uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, um, mm. other pri- private issuers of uh, uh, securitizations backed by non-performing loans and re-performing loans. This was this was also I thought very interesting post-financial crisis because you know, these are the products you were reading about in all the books about what happened. And so for me, it was it was great to learn. Um, I, I was able to do my CPA, and, and fortunate enough, they they paid for my CFA as well. Um, oh, and nice. so I got I got a very uh, a very deep understanding of of finance and capital markets. And, you know, I, it definitely took me a while to, to really assess, like, where I wanted to be. Uh, it was about two or so years of really, you know, Maggie could probably tell you, like, just connecting with people all over, um, trying to focus on either tech or real estate as they were avenues that I thought I could m- mesh my life together, both being somewhat of an expert in finance and accounting but also trying to mix in my passions for the organizations that I'm involved in outside of then outside of work, uh, like, like APAC, um, and then other organizations that, that Mickey and I are both involved in. Um, and so, so we, we, uh, Mickey and I speak, we, there's a lot of people in accounting who want to get into like a real estate analyst or real some sort of real estate role. Um, and we get those requests a lot. And as a recruiter, we can't really help them because like our clients pay us, for, they're not looking for someone to make a career transition. Uh, so someone who's done it, you know, like yourself, like what did you, what did you, how'd you do it? Um, that's a great question because I definitely spoke to a lot of recruiters uh, and I, and, you know, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure plenty of people in your office are just like filtering through, you know, CPA, PwC, Deloitte, Ernst Young, Ernst and Young, KPMG, and, you know, they're just hitting them up for valuation, counting jobs. Um, exactly. And, you know, and, and I, I, after going on a few of those interviews, I, I definitely knew that that was not for me uh, and that I wanted to be in a much more uh, interpersonal role. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's not easy. And, and I think, um, I think that there's some level of expectation that things are just easier than they are for some reason. Um, and, you know, Part of that, I think, is just due to the, the nature of technology today, and, and things are so easy. You know, click a few buttons, you have something delivered in two days. Uh, through Amazon, you have something delivered within an hour, and and mm-hmm. sort of that that level of ease, I think, translates 
into a certain perception that you don't need to that 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 life will be somewhat easy. Um, you know, our generation with you know, participation trophies, this that, like the real world does not work like that. Um, and <laughs> and you, you know, it, it's it's true. And, and I think also, you know, accounting firms, the way they're structured, especially when you're very junior, it, it's very much measured, and it, it's almost like an extension of school in some ways. You know, it's like okay, well. You work two to three years, and then you're a senior associate, and then you're a manager, and then it's very, it's very structured in the promotion style, which is great. And, mm-hmm. and if that's a fit for you, that's awesome. Um, but ultimately, if you want to break out of that, you have to, I think, you have to go out and you have to build real relationships with people. A uh, and B, bring a certain expertise or, or level of value to the table. Um, and so, you know, for me. I, I slowly started to realize throughout my my 20s, uh, actually my my uh, my my Hillel director, the Hillel of the Center of Jewish Life on Campus, my Hillel director in college, uh, she told me, she's like, Andy, you need to read this book, The Tipping Point. Um, you're a connector, and I said, okay. So I read the book, um, and he said that in any Malcolm Gladwell wrote the book. He said that in for any any business, there's there's three integral players. There's a salesperson, there's a maven who's an expert. You know, everyone has you know their their insurance guy, their their mortgage guy, right? Like um and then there's the connector. Um and so his his example of the ultimate connector was Paul Revere, who was not the <laughs> only person to, to ride the night that he did and, and warn everyone the British were coming. But Paul Revere had connections in all of the surrounding Towns and so he his word his the word that he was spreading were able to actually penetrate into all these communities um, and so throughout my twenties I kind this of tipping point the tipping point yeah and so throughout my twenties I kind of leaned into that uh, and I've I've been very fortunate to have a lot of great mentors um, who, who have really pushed me on that and as I started looking for a job I, I really was like, okay, well, how do I, how do I make a career out of this? And, and brokerage was, was very exciting sounding to me, but you know, as you alluded to before, it, it, it took me a couple of years to actually get over the hump and, and, and push for it and take the risk. Uh, because for me, I, I was very risk averse and, and the thought of not knowing, you know, how am I going to make money? It, it was just unfathomable to me. Uh, and, and I think that's the same for a lot of people. And, and I think, one of the biggest lessons I've learned is, is that you, you, you grow so much through that risk taking. Um, and that to me is like the real success in life. Like it's not about the money. It's just like the, the personal growth from that. Uh, for me in the, in the past two years has been, has been tremendous. And I think a lot of people in my life see that. Um, and, you know, I, and I have other people in my life who, who tell me that you know, they're, they're taking their own risks and, and it's great. And, what I what I said about the, the personal relationships, I think that's really it. Because not only is it is it the personal relationships that are going to put you in contact with the resources you need, but they're the people that are going to motivate you. Um, a, a friend of mine and, and Mickey's, uh, Ben Navi, he's been starting a development company. Or he started a development company. He's working on a big development in Detroit right now, and he was one of the largest influences in, in me actually making that move. 
he, he showed me a, a Steve Harvey video. It was this great Steve Harvey video uh, where he did, where he basically just gave you know, the cliche line of, if you don't, it, everyone has a parachute, but if you don't jump, you never know if your parachute is going to open. <laughs> and, and, and I think it's a really, a really awesome, awesome metaphor. Uh, and, and, and it really resonated with me. And, you know, through people like him, uh, a few other good friends, my, my friend Johnny, who maybe also knows, um, who recently took a big, my friend Johnny Haber, he, he took a big leap and mm-hmm. he left the brokerage side. He worked for a principal and now he's working for a pop-up leasing shop called Appear Here. And, and so, mm-hmm. you know, being around all those people, it, it just motivates you and, and you want to do it yourself. So I think it's, it's really like the mentality is the first part. And once you have that down and once you have that vision of where you're going to go, you're going to execute. It's just, it's just a question of when it's going to happen. Uh, but you really need to get clear on what it is that you want before you can actually go get it. And then surround yourself with people that are kind of doing what you're doing almost, right? P- pushing you to yeah. make that jump. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope I wasn't too tangential there. I could be a little bit, uh, no, no, it's great. Around. Yeah. Uh, also, I was also an accountant. I mas- I have a bachelor's yeah. and master's in accounting. That's true. And, and Mickey's a lawyer. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, in terms of almost like, you know, what you say to a 22 year old, it's like, I actually, I, I had coffee the other, the other day, uh, last Friday morning, I had coffee with this really nice girl. She goes to, she goes to YU Stern. And I said to her, you know, it's like, you could be anything you want to be. You know, I always had in my mindset, like, oh, I have to do X, Y, Z. And people were telling me like, oh, Andy, you know, you, you, you're CPA and CFA. Like, and you work in an accounting firm, you gotta like, you should be an analyst or something. Like, even, even when I was moving into, I wanted to move into more front office real estate, like, oh, you should be, you should work acquisitions for a shop. And that wasn't me though, you know? I, I, I may have a fairly strong accounting and finance background, which I think is, is integral for my job as well and understanding people's investments and being able to size loans from my head a little bit more quickly. Um, having a grasp on that is, is, is huge, but you know, you have to, this, this is what I was just saying, is that you have to know what you want uh, and, and don't let other people, the, the notion that you know, other people feed you, like you have to do this to go do this. That, that's, all, that's all BS. Um, you know, if you want to go do something, put out what you want, like start branding yourself as that. You know, start, start going and meeting those people. You know, somehow figure out a way, ask, you can't be on a panel at first, you can't moderate a panel, like go up, ask a question at the panel, go talk to the guys. Mm. Um, and that's, that's how you, you all of a sudden start doing, take those steps, like figure out what you want and start taking the steps and just don't stop taking the steps. Um, it, it's like running a marathon, which is something I started doing once I entered into the real estate world, because for me, that exercise of training and just constantly pushing yourself is so important mentally besides the physical end, um, that, I, that I realized it's, it's really just that's life in general. Like we're all running a marathon. And what, what do you, you do know, now that I, you're in a, this role? Are you, are you involved with certain, like, what do you do? You have like a, a mentor, like a coach or anything like that? Um, I, I'd say I have a lot of informal mentors. Um, I don't, I don't have like a coach per se. I mean, I have my, my, my formal mentor, I, I would say is my business partner. 
partner and mentor, Andrew Dancer, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the guys and, and girl that I work with. Um, you know, I, I really look up to all of them, despite some of them being younger, some are older, but uh, I, I do look to them to always motivate me. Uh, good, good friends who I can share things in confidence with and, and who can really know know me and my essence um, is key. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very big on, on, on rabbis personally. Um, and obviously, you know, if, if you're not Jewish, uh, some, some person of, of some kind of faith, I think, uh, is, is integral in life to, to help provide meaning. Because at the end of the day, like, what, what good is it all? Like, what good is success, money, anything you're, you're trying to achieve if, if you're not finding deeper meaning in life and, and really enjoying your life? Uh, so I'm, I'm very fortunate uh, that I've had numerous rabbis uh, in my life, and, and they still are in my life, um, some a little bit more passively because I still live in Boston. Now I live here, but uh, my, my current rabbi, uh, he runs Chabad of the Upper East Side, and uh, he's a spiritual mentor for me. And, you know, he's been very supportive of me in my transition to real estate. And we actually run a uh, a, a Jewish business networking group. We started the Chabad Jewish Business Network for real estate. Uh, oh, so cool. I, it's been a pleasure to start with him and actually, yeah. So you, you guys sponsored uh, a few, a few, a few events ago you sponsored and, you know, you asked like steps to take in terms of like starting off in a career. Uh, I think one of the, the best things that I've done and that I've seen the best feedback from is, you know, starting these networking groups and these panels. Um, mm. And I'll, I, I moderate them and it's been great from a few instances. One is, getting better at just public speaking, which I, I always look to improve is, is, is huge for me. Um, but you know, you go to, you think about branding and right. Like putting yourself in front of a room of people, uh, showing that, showing that to the world through social media, like what you're doing. Uh, and all of a sudden people change their perception of you. It's like you know, two years ago, I was an accountant at PwC. That's what people thought of me. And I didn't even do accounting. Right. Like, uh, but, now no one thinks of me like that. Everyone's like, "Oh, Andy Weiss, like, he's a New York real estate guy." So yeah. I, I think you create that perception, and you know, the fact that I'm always out moderating a panel you know, twice a quarter, um, people start seeing that, and it and it makes an impression, and it, I think it all kind of feeds into each other. Gotcha. That's awesome, man. Congratulations on doing that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's, it's been great, and, and Mickey, Mickey's been a, a huge, huge help with it, and, and you know, a big inspiration because she puts on her own events, and it's, it's impressive. Well, now we're going to break it down into our our, our famous, uh, famous at least to Mickey and I. No one else probably thinks it's famous. We got our <laughs> speed round, I guess you'd call it. You actually kind of answered some of the questions, but we, we'll go through them anyways. Uh, okay. Do you want to start out? You want to start out, Mick? Yeah, sure. So you mentioned the the tipping point. Um, and it's funny, a lot of your things you're talking about in how you built your new brand are in this book, High Performance Habits, um, which I highly recommend. But do you have any other books that you would recommend to anybody any of our listeners? Huh, that's funny. Um, I have not actually read that book. Um, so well, uh, the tipping point... Uh, yeah, 
I guess I have to put it on on, on my list here. The tipping point is <laughs> definitely a, uh, a a great, great, great book. Um, and, and anything Malcolm Gladwell writes, I think, is, is excellent. Um, yeah, I literally just – I just ordered that. I just read Outsiders, but out, – out, no, out, Outliers. Outliers. Yeah, Outliers. I'm so – while we're talking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a great – Johnny Boy. That was uh, – but I just ordered uh, Tipping Point while we're talking. Well, here, I, so. I have uh, Talking to Strangers in my uh, book bag for my trip this week, which is his newest book. Oh, that's oh, great. Okay. That's great. Um, um, don't talk to any strangers on your trip, though. I always talk to strangers. That is the you only reason. <laughs> that is literally uh, well, the story so, of my life. And the only reason I have my job right now is because I talked to you when you were a stranger. Yeah, no, but then you know, when, look, you were, when you were a child, I have a nine-year-old. But was it was it tough then? Your parents were like stop talking to people. Bad well, things can happen. Parents, my parents told me not to talk to strangers, but statistically, actually, children are more commonly harmed by people they know than by strangers. So by making them only afraid of strangers, you actually create a bad, they feel safe around the people that aren't strangers who are more likely to harm them. I can picture oh. you making this argument to your parents when you were 10 years old. Um, <laughs> really didn't want That's me talking amazing. to I was homeschooled for the beginning of my life. And I oh, really? was not allowed to cross the street without somebody above the age of 15 with me. Wow. Until you were 14. That's until intense. you were 15. Until, until, you, were 15. until you reached 15. Like, until I was allowed to drive. I wasn't really allowed to cross the street by myself. We're going to do a that Mickey really podcast in the new year. We're going to do a Mickey podcast yeah. in, in, in January. We, the people want a Mickey podcast. Oh, it's happening. All right. I'm <laughs> um. But uh, I guess, well, going to the question, I'd say uh, broadly, I think that that genre of book, pop psychology, um, really gets like the nonfiction stuff, like Thinking Fast and Slow, which is on Obama's top book list, is, is a phenomenal book. Uh, but one book that I think really kind of honed in on a lot of what I've been talking about uh, was purchased for me uh, when I was at drinks with a, a guy, Ronnie Fuchs. Uh, he just went over to uh, IDB Bank, I believe, uh, Israel Development mm-hmm. Bank, um, Israel Discount Bank. I, I, I'm butchering that. But, uh, you know, you talk about more informal mentors, uh, the guy I connected with through the Council of Young Jewish Presidents, and we're both on their board. And he he bought this book for me while we were having drinks, like, you need to read this. So he came in the mail two days later. Thank you, Amazon. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and I read the book immediately. It is called, um, I mean, well, I'm just blanking on the book. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty terrible. Um, why am I blanking? You loved book? it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I always okay. talk about the book so much. Um, oh, wow. Sorry. Uh, apologies. Never eat alone. I was thinking in my head, I'm like thinking, oh. uh, thinking grow rich or how to win friends and influence people. But, but never eat alone, um, which which I think I, I am definitely guilty of. Uh, but but really, just some great ideas on on how to how to connect with people and build a network. Um, and so so I, I highly recommend that. Uh, and and you know to your point about talking to strangers, uh, I actually got I helped my roommate get a job by talking to a stranger on a line at Mason Kaiser on Thirty Sixth Street. So 
you really don't know who you connect with. Um, I think going to the other point earlier about, you know, in your head, you're always thinking, you know, what other people want and think. And sometimes you just turn yourself off from the opportunities around you. Uh, there, there is opportunities in abundance just sitting right around you. It's, it's all a matter of just changing your frame of reference sometimes and just being open. Um, so, yeah. What about podcasts? You listen to any podcasts regularly? Uh, I do. I do. I'll give you two podcasts that I, I really, really enjoy. Um, one is a motivational podcast by this guy, Ed Milet. Um, he's a pretty, pretty large following um, in the motivational space. Really just phenomenal content, in my opinion. And it brings on interesting guests. Uh, you know, it, like that, I think through him is where I first started hearing about David Goggins. Uh, who's like a, mm, a big yeah. guy in the motivational space these days, kind of built built his brand, and former Navy SEAL. Um, you know, his book is great, going back to the book question. Uh, but but I, I, I'd i say my first year in the business, and, and still to this day, there's one of his episodes, uh, which is called Changing Your Identity. And the first half of it is, is just a, a monologue of him talking about you know, how to succeed and, and the mental component of that. And I, I would listen to that weekly, uh, and, it, and it re- I'm just drilled it into my head. Uh, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the words I spoke today just are straight from there, and it's just in my subconscious. Um, so yeah, so that, that's awesome. huge, and, and I, I, that's a huge podcast for me. Uh, and then in the real estate world, I listen to uh, Peter Vondere's Behind the Bricks quite often. Oh, yeah, that's a good um, one. I yeah, yeah, and he, he, he really has a, a great podcast. I mean, I think he's great uh, with, with hosting it, uh, brings on interesting guests, and it's always relevant, very topical. Um, so a, a big a big kudos and, and shout out to Peter for that. Uh, and, and he's also he's been a great mentor for me uh, as well, uh, growing up in the business now. Cool. Nick, you got the next one. So... I think you already touched on this question also, but what do you like to do when you're not outside of work? Okay. Well, it's, no, it's, it's kind no, of a rabbi. <laughs> well, well, hold on. I think the premise of the question, I got I got a challenge in here. You know, when you're, when you're a broker, you're never really out of work, you know, right. but at the exactly. same time, I also, I also, and I, I, I say this and, you know, it's like partially joking, but uh, I really don't ever feel like I'm in work, so to say. Like, I, I feel very fortunate that I found a, a role to be in in life where I don't really feel like I have a job as much as I just have, you know, a career and, and kind of just like my daily life. Um, you know, all of it's part of my daily life. And it doesn't really feel like going to work. Yeah, don't get me wrong. There are days that you know, I'd, I'd rather sleep in and uh, yeah, not get hung up on or, or not get rejected. But, um, but you know, I have a very, very fortunate uh, for that. But uh, outside of call it the, the office, um, I'm, I'm hugely active in, in the Jewish community in the pro-Israel world. Um, I sit on a variety of boards, uh, which, which really feed my passion. And, and you know, my, my business and that are quite symbiotic, and that's by design. Uh, so I, I really incentivize myself to do as much of that as possible. So constantly planning events, large gatherings for, for people to, to connect and meet, um, which, which really feeds my passion of just like building community. Um, so I do that and uh, 
I've, I've over the past years gotten very into fitness and in particular I did running. Uh, I just ran my third mm-hmm. marathon. Um, it was my second New York city did New York marathon. I did. I did. And I, I, uh, I ran again, always trying to create win-win scenarios. Um, from uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, another great book. But uh, <laughs> so I, I ran, I ran for for charity. Uh, I ran for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. I, I have Crohn's, uh, and I actually didn't mention earlier my 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 ultimate ultimately what spurred me to take the final action and, and, and switch careers was a Crohn's flare, uh, where I was out of work for a month and you know going through that. That was my second flare up, and going through that process. Um, and, and recovering and, and growing through that was really, really big for me. And so, you know, when I run for Crohn's and I raise money, I've raised close to twenty thousand dollars this year. And so, it's very meaningful for me, you know, to, to be able to do that as someone with Crohn's, because um, I know a lot of people with Crohn's can't do that. Uh, a lot of people are very deeply impacted by it, and, and I think it's something. You know, on a personal note, I think it's something that a lot of people don't really think about because you, know, you can't really see it. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, you look at me and I'm like, I'm a healthy guy. And, and thank God I am. And, and I, I, I don't have an active flare. Uh, but, you know, it really, really, for me, it helped me kind of take me back and say, you know, what, what is someone else that's going on in their life that I may not know about? Um, and so, you know, finding that passion for me is, is great. I combine the running fundraising awareness um it's been it's been meaningful and uh looking forward to to next year hopefully going to set the goal of thirty six thousand dollars for for the campaign so i, ah, cool. I may be hitting you up chris <laughs> yeah please i'll send us up i'll pass you over mickey uh no, i'm happy to happy to help i'm not sure if you're oh you're a current donor oh you can up, you can up your donage okay that's fair. Well, um, I just I need to close more jobs, and then I'll donate more more money. I have a great friend that has, that has Crohn's, and I I've I've seen her go through hell and surgeries for the last couple of years, and I know it can get pretty bad. About the deals for good, that's a kind of a good segue, even though it's not part of our five questions that you launched, and that I will be also participating in. Do you want to give like a quick, quick thirty second pitch about deals yeah. for good? Yeah, that would that'd be great. So, um, so you know, kind of actually, it's it's spun out of my marathon fundraiser. My my, my mentor partner Andrew Dansker said to me, Andy, you're really great at raising money. You know, if if you were this good at uh, hitting people up for business, you know, you'd be the most successful mortgage broker in the city. Uh, and so we we kind of devised this this uh, this campaign for 2020. It's called Deals for Good. Um, and so. It broadly, I think about it as it's trying to create a brand around charitable giving and business. Um, and so, practically speaking, for me, I'm committing uh, my challenges that if I hit 20 deals or more in 2020, I'm going to be giving 20% of my after-tax uh, commissions on those deals to the charity of each deal sponsor's choice. Um, and so, you know, let's say Mickey and I did a deal together. I would say, Mickey, you know, I think we should. We should uh, give APAC. You know, we met through APAC. We we bonded through APAC. You know, we should we should really give back to APAC. Uh, we benefited greatly, and so, you know, it's it, it's a great way to highlight charities, uh, promote charitable giving, and, and really that muscle, I think. And so, you know, Mickey is, is in my mind one of one of the most philanthropic people I know, um, and so she's agreed to be the first person to to take on the challenge with me and. Obviously, everyone can take it on in their own way, but 
I think the point is that, you know, especially when you're in a transactional role, committing that every time you do a transaction, uh, there's going to be a third party who benefits besides just the two, the two people in the transaction. Um, I have to figure out my exact numbers, but I'm definitely joining for Jazz of January 1st, and um, maybe I can convince TBG to match it or something. Yeah, yeah, listen, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's great, and I'm hoping that Deals for Good can kind of become uh, its own, its own entity at, at some point, really, uh, really change the way people think about doing business. And now, what do you, you I'm not sure if you're in the position to hire people, what, but like, what does your team look for? What do you look for when you're hiring someone? Um, well, you know, obviously there's different roles in a business. Uh, I think if you're looking for, for a mortgage to hire a new mortgage broker to originate and go out and win business, uh, to me, it, it's, it's all about follow-up, you know, like it's about being able to pick up the phone and dial at first, but then also being able to then go back to the same person again, two weeks later, three weeks later, four weeks later. Um, and so I think there's a certain self-selection process when you're, when you're interviewing people um, where, you know, if there's not good follow-up of an interview process, you know, then, then there's not the right person, right? Like you need someone who's going to be a little aggressive and don't get me wrong. I'm not the most aggressive person out there. There are plenty of mortgage brokers out there who are way more aggressive than me. I would not, I would not challenge that. Um, mm. But I think, uh, I think that if you polled anyone that knows me, I am probably one of the best people uh, that they've ever met when it comes to following up and, and being on top of people, uh, especially what, people that Do you that use a system for that or just your calendar? Or do you have like a certain database or something that you use for that selfishly? Uh, trying to find better ways to follow up. Uh, it, it's it's a mix, and and I think I think it's 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 got to be fluid. You know, if you if you kind of convince yourself, oh, I only do this, it's a little tough. Um, you know, I, I work within a Salesforce database with my team, and so there, there's that element, um, and so I use that for a, a good amount of my business side. But you know, when I, when I, I talked about earlier these panels that I put on, I put on you know big Shabbat dinners in the city. Uh, I'm constantly involved in. I'm chairing uh, for the Jewish National Fund. I'm chairing with Michelle Klieger and Kensington Vanguard. We're, we're co-chairing the uh, Shabbat in the Park this summer. And so, you know, it's just reasons to, to always be in touch with people in some respect, right? Like, And there again, it's like the win-win of like, this is something I'm passionate and I care about and that I want to promote. But then from a, from a business element, it's like, I'm, I'm always following up with people, right? And so I think finding ways to engage people outside of just a me, 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 like give me something is, is very important. And it, it just, it's another reason, forget about to even talk to someone. It's just a reason to think about someone, right? So give yourself those reasons. And I really think, you know, if you find, find, find a cause you're passionate about, find something that you really enjoy, you know, join a run club, whatever it is. If you're looking to go meet people and build relationships, find something that you could share in common with someone and that you're going to see them all the time. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it's a big city, New York City, but I find that for me, it's very small and I run into people everywhere and that's slightly by design, but also just the fact that like people move in, in herds and, and, you know, you, you go to the same places that your social network goes. And so being, being present to that and realizing that I think is, is part of the follow-up, um, 
just just like how I, I go about it. Other people for sure are different. Um, I think I may be a little unique in that, but that's just kind of how I approach it. Okay. And now maybe you want to look at that. That's the last question there. Sure. So the last question is, um, how do people find you? How can, if someone needs a loan or if someone wants to get involved with APAC or another Jewish charity or Chabad Upper East Side, how can they find you? Sure, 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 sure. So, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty accessible. Some, sometimes I click, I can be a little slow to respond, uh, but no, no, I'm kidding. Uh, you can find me. <laughs> yeah. I'm, on, I'm, on, I'm, on, I'm on Instagram uh, at the Andy Weiss. Um, you could reach me at my email is andy.g.weiss, W-E-I-S-S, at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, uh, hit me up. I'm, uh, I'm around. Always, always like to hear about new opportunities. Uh, especially love to get people in, engaged in a, a new cause and kind of help ignite their passion and help them find their passion. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I always welcome some uh, some new people in life. That's, that's well, my if job. You attend a, <laughs> related real estate event, you will definitely find him. If you attend enough of them, you'll you'll just meet him. He's He's one of the few people above six feet, so just find him. <laughs> yeah, that's, he's that's, a tall guy that's, 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 that's a Jewish fair. real student. That's, funny. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I, 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 I'm, yeah, that's fair. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. Andy, Andy, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate it, man. Hey, thank you, guys. I, I really, really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. I love what you're doing here. And, and Mickey, uh, thank you so much for, for thinking of me for this. This is, uh, it's been really great. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the TBG Real Estate Podcast. Please visit us online at tbg-realestate.com or on Instagram at tbg.realestate. Until next time, have a great week.